I was living in a devil town I didn't know it was a devil town Oh Lord, it really brings me down About the devil town Welcome to the Devil's Junkie Podcast. I am your host, Ralph Amston. We've got Chili up here in the mid-first bank, Arizona State University press box. Uh, still still Nike logos on all the, the, the wall decorations and stuff here. It's I crazy. think a few years in, you think they might change that. Um, Commitment's I, tough on campus over here. So. <laughs> Wait, well, hey, uh, we, we got to start talking about Eno Benjamin right away. Oh, for sure. Uh, because he shattered Arizona State's single-game rushing record of 250, set by Benjamin Malone, brother of Art Malone, Eloy, uh, Santa Cruz High School native. Uh, he, he set that record 45 years ago, also against this Oregon State team. You know Benjamin comes in here, absolutely wrecks that record. 30 carries, 312 yards. Uh, I think he scored three times. What did you think of this performance today, man? I, I mean, uh, we've never, obviously never seen anything like it in our lifetimes. I mean, it was great. Uh, you know, Benjamin's fantastic. Uh, you know, 10.4 yards a carry, 30 carries. I mean, these weren't like – it really wasn't like a super high-volume night to get those 314 yards. So I'm really impressed, man. And the way that the offense ran so fluidly through this uh, mind-bogglingly good – Oregon State defense, <laughs> hint, sarcasm, um, you know, Herm wanted to establish the, it seemed like Herm wanted to establish the run last week versus Washington, and it's debatable on whether or not that really worked out, but I mean, he set the tone and established it versus uh, Oregon State, um, and Herm's old school, and, 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 and there's nothing but that what's, there's nothing new school about losing the line of scrimmage and still trying to win football games, right? So they go out to San Diego. They lose the line of scrimmage the entire game. And I think he gets his staff together and says, we can't do this anymore if we're a football team. And Herm Edwards is in charge of this football team, right? So and their goal is to go out there win the line of scrimmage. They did it last week even though they lose that game. And then today without Casey Tucker – they go out and 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 break records. I mean, is this is this ASU's identity from here on out? I get that. I get that uh, he wants to um, be old school, just like he is. But I mean, Nikhil Harry is still like the heart and soul of this team, really. I and we'll mean, get into that. And we will. And we will get into that because I really want to talk about it with you because I talked about it a bunch last week after after the. Uh, the Washington loss when when you know you and I probably should have got back to, to together to record since we were both uh, we, we both stayed in town but I, I do want to get to the Nikhil Harry thing but I uh, let's stay on Eno Benjamin for a minute because when I first saw him uh, break a few runs last year against Colorado I, I what he reminded me of is a young Alabama Sean Alexander who went on to have a long career Fair. with the Seahawks he's just you, you can't pinpoint the exact thing, 
that makes him so good at what he does. He's a little bit slippery. He, uh, he He's definitely got that spin move right. Uh, he's got pretty good vision. But you can't pinpoint the one thing that he does, I think, better than anyone else. The one thing that's very evident... But he does a lot evident, of different things well. He does. I think the one thing that's very evident is he's way more of a natural runner than Demario Richard... Uh, or Kalen Balaj, where Kalen Balaj had a lot of physical tools. Demario Richard had the attitude to be a feature back. Eno Benjamin's got w- exactly what you need to be a guy who can carry the ball 300 times at the FBS level. Eno Benjamin is clearly the best pure running back ASU has had in a while. Um, you know, Kalen Balaj and Demario Richard and all those guys, they, they were good. They were good, and they did things. But talking about a pure running back, like, you know, Benjamin by far is the best. And obviously, you know, he's kind of proved it tonight and cemented, um, you know, his kind of legacy here at ASU because now he has this record. His name is forever going to be in, in the record books. Um, what, what he did tonight was amazing. And, I mean, when you talk about, like, winning and losing, like, the, the trenches, did ASU really win the trenches? Because... Let's not forget, Jefferson on the other side had 256 yards rushing. Yeah, and I would say that <laughs> I would say that in a in a three three five defense, the one way you attack it is you go right at it, right? Fair. Because I mean, and Arizona State over and over and over again would line up in these super wide splits and just dare uh, dare Oregon State to go right up the middle. And it really wasn't until the second quarter when Oregon State started to kind of take them up on it and really hammer away. Oregon State was going to have a two-to-one pass or run-to-pass ratio when they came into this game. Anyway, even when they get down big, they pound the ball, pound the ball, pound the ball. They don't get away from their offense. That no, is for sure. No, they don't. And so sometimes even when you go in and you set up to cover, you know, you got a second and nine, you know, you assume more often than not someone's going to throw the ball. You line up in that 3-3-5, three, three, you space everybody out, and then you depend on your young defensive backs, your very young linebackers to be making plays at the line of scrimmage. And that can be that can be really tough. So you have sort of a different line of scrimmage on the defensive side of the ball um, if you're Arizona State. But I will say it, it's been three weeks in a row of teams being able to move the ball on the ground against ASU. And I, and I if ASU has a weakness um, besides maybe some accuracy issues from Manny Wilkins right now, I would say that run defense is probably it. You know what? The last two times that I was on the Devil's Junkie podcast with you, week one uh, versus UTSA, uh, the big question was, can ASU stop the run? Then they played Michigan State, and they kind of stopped a Big, a big Ten team um, running the ball. And we said, hey, they can stop the run. And then we watched San Diego State roll them up. We watched the Washington game. And now we watched this Oregon State team. So um, I guess clearly the answer is no. They can't stop the run. This ASU team cannot stop the run, and it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen anytime soon. This team is still trying to find their identity, I think. They're, they're on their fourth date. They're on their fourth or fifth date or whatever. You know, like, you have your training camps, and you get to know the kids and stuff, but, like, how many times have they been out together? How, how many times have Herm and the, and the boys really been out together? Like, this is only their fifth time. They're, 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 they're three and two now. And clearly, like that is true. Clearly, like they're a better team at home than they are on the road. Um, you know, this this quote unquote nine ten win team that I thought it was is playing out right now to be a six or seven win team. 
And I mean, and I would say that my expectations are probably met. Uh, next week's going to be really big because they're going up against a team that also can't stop anyone, uh, but has managed to turn that into a four and record in, in the Colorado Buffaloes. And, you know, Benjamin's coming out party was really against that same Colorado team last year. And they did not get better on the defensive side of the ball since right. last season, but obviously no, in fact, is, they got worse. Yes, very much so. And this is game's going to be in Boulder. And so, you know, I, I think that, I think that Arizona state, it, it's going to be a tough go. It's going to be a tough go for Arizona state in that game. Uh, because if you can't stop the run on the road, you know, in that altitude, you can tire out a defense that's already struggling a little bit. I do want to give some love and, and some respect to Jermar Jefferson, uh, the Harbor City, California um, uh, running back, who I think actually was teammates, if I'm not mistaken, with a, uh, maybe Darian Butler for Arizona State uh, when, when he was in high school, the 5'10", uh, 211 running back, who I think is a freshman, a freshman, uh, ran for the second most yards in the history of uh, Oregon State as far as a single game. Their record is uh, it was set back in 1968, and it was 299 yards. And I think tonight he ran for over 250, which would put him firmly in, in second place. And so, um, and 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 I think had the game not gotten out of hand, uh, he probably would have had an opportunity to set a record as well. He was definitely on pace to do it. Um, so, I mean, definitely interesting to be able to to be here and kind of witness history. And I, I touched on it a little bit before, but this offensive line went out there without Casey Tucker, who was probably their best run blocker. They just moved from tackle nice. to guard. Uh, and they went out there and they did it without him. And, uh, and I think that probably has to give a little bit of a boost to a guy like Zach Robertson, who missed the first couple of games um, of the season. A guy like uh, uh, Alex Lasoya, who couldn't really hold down uh, the spot and is the reason they moved uh, Casey Tucker to the inside. But this center, Cole Cabral, he is... He's legit. I like I him. Mean, I think if he could leave for the NFL after his true sophomore year... He might do it. I mean, the ASU has not had a center this big, this physical, and and uh, and and do this much damage in the run game in a very long time. Facts. So uh, let's talk a little bit about the defensive side of the ball. Obviously, they give up a lot of yards today, um, but in the in 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 the uh, occasions that Oregon State was trying to pass the ball. You had quite a bit of penetration. Uh, Malik LaWall had a couple of sacks. One of them was a strip sack, but uh, Oregon State recovered on that one. You had uh, Merlin Robertson, which is probably the, the most interesting sack of the day. They spread everybody out to the edges, and they let Merlin Robertson rush up the middle. And th- Any of three guys could have blocked him. None of them chose to do it. He hits the quarterback. Jalen Bates comes in and forces the, an, another fumble. Um, This looks like a team that can really get after the quarterback, but at the same time, you know, is struggling um, in the run game. Any individual defensive players that stood out to you tonight? Um, I'll tell you right now, Chase Lucas stood out to me. He uh, blocked that uh, pass to Timmy Hernandez at the end of the game. Um, You know, turnover gains Chase. I I think, you know, like – um, he's he's really coming into his own. Like he's really embracing like the position. I, I mean, he's a freshman All American and stuff like that. But I mean, he he's really a standout for me. I'm 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 a fan. Merlin Robertson though, like 
is a super pleasant surprise for me. I did not really expect him to um, kind of emerge and take over the way that he has. Like he's almost signature on the on this defense. And do you um, worry about his body breaking down? I mean, he's six three two sixty, so he's he's a grown man out there. But he's a true freshman, and he's gotten so many snaps already early early in the season. Are, are you are you worried about this kind of taking a toll on him? Uh, just because he's young. Yeah. Um. No, I, not not really. I mean, I think I think they're, I, I think they got a good thing going, rotating the players and stuff like that. I, you know, I I, I think that Merlin Robertson will be okay for for the season at the pace that he's going right now. Um, Butler, a guy that you just mentioned, uh, I I, th- I think he's okay. He had some tackles for losses. He's finding his way in the backfield. Um, they definitely have some depth at, at linebacker with, you know, third, you get to the third string. First of all, we're not even talking about Karan Crump, who this was not his strength. He he gets after the passer. He didn't play much tonight. He looked kind of dissatisfied, walked off the field uh, a little bit earlier than his teammates, didn't stay out to celebrate with everybody. Maybe he was banged up, I'm not sure. But, you know, you, you have a guy like Karan Crump who can get after the passer that, that we haven't even really talked about. And then you, you, you get to, like, the third string. Because we have, like, co-first string with Kalen Thomas and Malik Lawal and then and then Robertson and Butler, right? And then you get your guys like Kyle Soley and Tyler Johnson who have made plays. Our Arizona young boys. Right. But, it, but again, it all seems to come down to, like, whether or not some of these big, young linebackers can get out there and plug holes in the run game. And they have not yet shown that they can do that on a consistent basis. Uh, you know, Tyler Johnson's a, a freak athlete and stuff like that. So, I mean, you know, he's, you know, he's been in on some uh, – some special team stuff, some pump block stuff. Um, Kyle Soley, you know, provides a lot of depth, and he's super athletic, and he's like, what, like 6'3", or something like that, and, you know, fast and, and tough can hit whoever is around. You know, they this this team is, I guess, kind of young by standard, um, but, man, I you know, Going back to the question of, you know, who surprises, like, you know, Merlin Robertson has to be, like, the surprise so far of the first, you know, uh, third now half of the season. Um, I, I don't I don't think anybody expected what he's doing. Nobody. And so, like, do I think that, you know, he's do I expect him or think that he's in a breakdown? I, for now, I'm going to say no because Michigan State was kind of a tough game. And, you know, there was a lot of contact up front in, in this Oregon State game. There's a lot of contact up front in the San Diego State game. Um, you know, UTSA was a tune-up. Uh, Washington was a was a hard-fought game. So, you know, if Merlin Robertson can survive and be okay right now, with no issues, then I would go ahead and say that you know he'll be fine the rest of the way. Now, one of the things Herm Edwards said after the game is that Arizona State University, as far as defensively, they need to grow up. And uh, it goes back to youth. Right. It does go back to youth, but they've these guys have gotten a lot of reps for how young they are, do you get to a point where you can get there as a freshman through all of this experience? Or is it a matter of, uh, you know, they're going to take their lumps this year and we look forward to maybe maybe something a little bit better next year? Because you, you lose some of these guys next year. Obviously, Jalen Harvey, he's not young, but he's inexperienced at his position. position. And then you have, you know, you, you saw a couple more. Every, I think every week you get one or two mental mistakes from Ashari Crosswell 
who also does one or two really good things every week. So that's kind of the trade-off there. Um, but you know, you're going to bring back obviously Chase Lucas. You're going to bring back Kobe Williams. They're both having very Maybe good seasons. Maybe bring back Chase Lucas. Chase Lucas balls out. Yeah, we'll he see. Might be yeah. Losing Chase Lucas. We'll see after he, he talked about turnover gains. Like you're going to have turnover at his position. <laughs> but so I mean, you got you got guys like Langston Frederick, guys out there that are trying to get some reps. Daz Tatalatasio come back a little bit, but you lose him. He's a senior. Um, you know, Herm Edwards says that they they have to grow up. I think, I mean, obviously what he means by that is just being able to have it click and correct their mistakes. And you wonder at what point when you're playing guys who are true or redshirt freshmen or sophomores, does it actually start to click for them on the defensive side of the ball? Or do they just continue to get exploited in the same ways um, all season long, so that'll be that that that'll be something that's um, that's definitely interesting and something that that, that we'll look out for. Uh, so I want to get down into the actual in-game action, talk a little bit about some of this uh, some of this quarter by quarter because Arizona State came out they they put a field goal on the board right away, uh, and then Eno Benjamin comes out gets a 44-yard touchdown run. We end the first quarter at 10 nothing, and what was pretty obvious from that point on was that Eno Benjamin was going to get the ball a lot. I think he had like eight carries in the first two drives. But the other thing they did is Nikhil Harry had two touches on the very first drive. So it, as much as they say they don't pay attention to what everybody else has to say, um, that's a guy that only had three targets in the first half against Washington last week. Um, it, it feels like they made a more concerted effort to make sure that he touched the ball immediately that he felt involved immediately do you feel like it made a difference yeah absolutely because uh the only way that this offense is gonna um survive in the long haul for the next uh six games or whatever um is if Nikhil harry eats if you feed the beast if you don't feed the beast this uh, it's gonna be hibernation season and you might as well just forfeit the rest of the games you have to feed Nikhil. Nikhil has to see um at least i'm gonna say seven passes his way um, a game at least. They got him in on punt return now. You got to find a way to get the ball in his hands. You got to keep him happy. You got to keep him entertained. You got to keep him um, engaged. Yeah. Um, there have been times last week and this week in particular where he's been open and Manny Wilkins has looked somewhere else and then not been able to make that throw. And it definitely looks worse when Nikhil is wide open. You look him off and then you don't connect on the guy that you're throwing the ball to. And I think that spurred a little bit of frustration, some that we saw spill out in the first three quarters on social media. Um, so, I mean, we'll, we'll get back into the second quarter here in a minute where Oregon State really started uh, chipping away um, at Arizona State's defense. But I want to ask you this. What is going on with Manny Wilkins? Because he's still doing the one thing that he does better than anything else – protecting the ball right that's the one thing he i think he has one turnover in five games this year that is phenomenal you literally could not ask for anything better when it comes to ball security now there were a couple of passes that could have been picked off tonight any 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 average smart quarterback that has a running back that carries the ball 30 times a game is going to protect the ball i mean the two kind of like go hand in hand Running the ball the way Arizona State is right now with almost 50 rushing attempts, 
um, allows the quarterback to kind of make the smarter, safer decisions. Um, and, you know, I'm not against Manny Wilkins. Um, was I a Bryce Perkins fan? Absolutely. Do I hear the whispers of everybody talking about Bryce Perkins and Heisman and um, some of these other quarterbacks that are former ASU guys around the around the country and doing well? Yeah, I hear about it. But, you know, M- Manny Wilkins, I think part of the problem is the inconsistency of offensive coordinator. Um, you know, it it's hard for an offensive coordinator to have somebody open up. The, this guy's a fifth, this guy's been here for like five years. Yeah, he has been here for five He's years. He's been longer than a presidency term. And I hear, what, I definitely hear what you're saying about uh, like anybody who has a running back. How's he missing the wide open yards. guys? D he, and and that continued. He missed Kyle Williams early. Um, he he continues. overthrew Nikhil late. Yes. And Nikhil, Nikhil six, six, four, what? and his arm span like is almost like seven feet. And you miss Nikhil, that dude can jump out the gym. Right, but at the same time, it is incredibly rare for a guy to have 170 pass attempts on the year with only one pick. I'd say most very good, even Heisman contender quarterbacks probably average one pick every 60 or 70 throws. We're talking Heisman contenders. Most quarterbacks average one probably every other game this dude's thrown 170 times maybe that's part of that that's part of it if you're gonna if you're gonna miss overthrow it and it's not gonna get picked off the completion percentage isn't awful uh today it was today's the first sub 60 completion percentage day that he had he did have four dropped passes to be fair three of them came on one drive um and, and a couple of those, I mean, he threw kind of a curveball to Eno Benjamin. The bottom dropped out oh, of it at the crazy. end. Um, but Eno still t- put two hands on it. Probably should have probably should have grabbed that. Um, but you, So he's, he, he is having some drop balls, which you can see maybe affects his body language a little bit. The one thing Arizona State did with Manny Wilkins today that they haven't been doing, designed runs. Because he, uh, when he feels the pressure, sometimes he steps up to get some extra yards, and he really gives his body up for punishment when he's running up the middle. Um, which you know you hate to see him leap over people, but you also hate to see him get hit by three dudes and then get up and get in one of their faces and have to have the ref pull him away. Um, but they actually ran some option stuff where he kept the ball. He's a very athletic quarterback. They have not been designing run plays for him, and they started to do that this week. Do you think that that is something that can get him back on track? Maybe. If he's the one that's actually getting some carries and moving the ball forward. I mean, maybe. He he likes to run. That's something that, like, I think um, excites him. He, he likes the thrill of, like, oh, somebody's going to hit me. Am I going to jump over them or yeah. am I going to take this hit and take but this most, punishment? And most of those runs are on, what like, protection where he, he doesn't get find a read and then he takes off. Very rarely are they, like, all right, this is a – called run play for you roll out go um and they st- it seemed like today was the first time they really tried to bring that into the offense he's is is there upside there or could you just end up getting the dude hurt i think you could end up getting the dude hurt but i mean you know he wants everybody to remember that he's an athlete and that he's a dual threat guy um that there's that option um he wants to make the game exciting uh, and not just for him, but for the fans, too. I'm, I'm not mad at that. Um, sometimes when he runs, though, I just don't think it's smart. 
Yeah. I think he runs at inopportune times sometimes. Right, but it, but in a situation where they're saying, like, all right, now it's time to run, you know, is and it's interesting to see because, like, it, he did get out of bounds a couple of times, but some other times he kind of went head first and, and I, he slid once early in the game. I don't necessarily, I mean, me, and I know that I am not the coach, but me, I don't necessarily want my quarterback to run by design. I want him to... Um, run because of improvisation because uh, he needs to extend a play or because the opportunity is there yeah I don't want to just oh hey it's third and, it's third and two go ahead Manny you run the ball this time and get crushed by three linebackers and then get back up for the next play there's some consistency issues um, I thought that Manny Wilkins was going to throttle Frank Darby in game one and game two and then Frank Darby absolutely dominates at San Diego State doesn't get a touch at Washington, and then today didn't get a catch. Kyle Williams is probably the most consistent. He scored a touchdown today. Uh, Brandon Ayuk, Brandon Ayuk could be doing a little bit better than he's doing right yeah, now. Yeah, one catch for seven yards is a little disappointing, but he I mean, had a drop in the end zone. He had another. You know, the, the, some of these guys. This is a very talented receiving core, and and. You know, a little bit of it's on Manny, um, but there's just not, there hasn't been a lot of consistency, and it feels like they're still trying to find what the right thing is going to be for for these guys. Um, I would like to see a guy like Isaiah Floyd used a little bit more in the passing game. It it feels it feels like when they do throw to the running back, it's more on like a designed uh, rollout type type thing. Um, and, and a lot less screens, like taking advantage of the fact that a team's being aggressive. You know, you hit a guy like Isaiah Floyd over the middle, and he might be able to make something happen. But Isaiah Floyd did get five carries today. Traylon Smith touched the ball one time. And I, going into the game, I said one of the keys to the game is going to be having a guy that can get to the edge really quickly, like a Traylon Smith. I predicted that he would get in the end zone once, maybe twice today. He Ooh. touches the ball once, one time, um, in your opinion, is this punishment for the fumble last week? I think it is. I really think it is. If, um, but if you're going to punish the dude for fumbling, do you think you should tell him first? Because this is a guy that walked off the field before everybody got dressed and left. And he was unhappy. And when you're a competitor and you watch the guy that you're supposed to be competing for reps with get 30 carries, and then you watch the guy that's behind you get five touches, and you watch Manny Wilkins run the ball a bunch, and you don't come in until it's a blowout in the fourth quarter when against Washington on the road you were one of the feature players, that's going to be frustrating. So I wouldn't go saying, like, oh, Traylon Smith's going to walk out and transfer, you know, because he hasn't played in four games. Maybe he'll go and use, you know, a, a redshirt. This isn't like a quarterback situation at Clemson or anything like that. I think he has every right to be frustrated. But do you think do you think you should tell him like, hey, we're not we you, you drop the ball, we don't fumble at Arizona State, we don't fumble, you fumbled, we don't trust you anymore, we're moving on with Eno. In the first twenty two minutes, uh, Eno Benjamin broke two touchdowns of over forty yards. I mean, we had to know that like it was going to be his night. It was a special night. I think he had 112 yards at the end of the first quarter. Like, yes. We, we, we knew that this was going to be a special night for him. I think all the running backs kind of knew. So, like, if they're unhappy that they didn't get the ball, they got to ask themselves, take a long, hard look in the mirror, ask themselves, like, hey, are we trying to win this game or are we more in it for our personal statistics and, you know, trying to pad our stats for his Oregon State? Because Eno Benjamin was clearly getting the job done. Yeah. He was clearly getting the job done. You yeah. go with who works. And I, you know what? If Eno, I agree. If Eno Benjamin had had nine carries for four yards at the end of the first quarter, how much you want to bet Herm Edwards would have 
found somebody else, whether it's Trillion Smith or uh, Floyd or somebody else would have got the bulk of the carries after that. I agree with you. I agree because with you. Because Herm's old school, yes. like you said. And I am making a, an assumption that maybe he didn't know that he wasn't going to be part of the game plan. Obviously, he was interviewed in the middle of the week, and he said like he was jazzed to get another opportunity to go out there and try to make something of him. So I will say that you know the one the one thing that I, I hate quoting my wife on the devil's donkey podcast but the one thing she's taught me as a leader in the industries that she works in and everything like that is a leader makes sure there are no surprises uh and you know obviously things come up that you can't plan for but whether or not Traylon smith is going to touch the ball is probably something that you can plan for you can until you know benjamin pops off for 112 in the first quarter then so it's you're like, saying hey, that's the unexpected thing. Hey, we're gonna roll. We're gonna roll with Eno. We're gonna, why, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Eno's working. Let Eno do his thing. Eno's seeing things out there. He's got his Jedi Jedi reflexes going right now. Let's let him, you know, get through these holes and get us through this game. And then next week it's gonna be a new week, and we'll see how that works out versus Colorado. So the second quarter, I think Oregon State figured out a little bit of what uh, what it was that they were gonna try to do. Um, against ASU they obviously have some success uh Jefferson just man he I I can't really explain what he was doing out there um outside of there were lanes right they they weren't holes that you could drive a bus through but they were big enough for him to get through and I think the one thing that he showed that he was really good at doing is running through um, arm tackle. There's nothing wrong. With, you tackle with your arms. I hate it when Absolutely. people say like arm tackles are bad. You got to get a hand on the guy, right? If you're not Absolutely. in the play, if you're not in the play, you can't go chest to chest with a guy and take him down to the ground. Right. You got to get an arm on him. But when you're getting arms on this guy, he would just bend, shake you off keep going he always kept his legs moving he's big back 5'10 211 when I saw him down on the field after the game I could not believe he was out there doing that because he didn't look 5'10 he didn't look 211 but he I mean he had a fantastic game what did you see from him what 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 did you see uh, when he when he started really going off uh in the second quarter um did did you get the feeling that uh, that that it was going to be a, a big day for him, and it was because of his skill, or did you feel like Arizona State just wasn't getting to the right spots and wasn't reading the plays right? Um, it's tough. I th- I think that we're learning that this Arizona State team isn't as good against the run as you know we had hoped or we had thought early on. Um, Jefferson was fantastic. Um, he was every bit as he was every bit the equal of Eno Benjamin tonight. Uh, with just a few less opportunities, I guess. Um, not carry-wise, but, um, you know, just talent-wise on his team. Uh, Eno had a few more holes that that uh, Jefferson didn't. Um, 256 yards, that's a, that's a hell of a stat right there. Uh, I mean, you know... Like I said, we, we talked about this early. We talked about this um, week one of the Devil's Junkie podcast, week two of the Devil's Junkie podcast, and we, we were kind of tricked almost because weeks three and four told us something totally different. Um, what I had hoped was maybe the confines, the friendly confines of Frank Cush Field, um, Sunderville Stadium, would you know rally the defense together and they'd be able to efficiently stop the run, maybe hold Oregon State. Uh, Jefferson's very talented. Uh, maybe hold Oregon State, I was hoping, maybe to, like, something sub-120. 
but it didn't happen. No, it did not. And I mean, and and you should see their dedication to the run. When they're down seventeen nothing, they gave him the ball seven times on one drive. Yeah, and he was just hammering away at the Arizona State defense. You look at what they did when they dropped back to pass on that first drive of the second quarter. Connor Blunt hits Timmy Hernandez for an eleven yard gain. Other than that, he sacked once. Uh, he completed a four yard pass, and that's it. That's it. I mean, he 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 had one other incompletion. Everything else on that on that uh, drive was Jefferson. Uh, and then they get the ball back again um, toward the end uh, of the toward the end of the um, the second quarter with four minutes left, and you have the same thing again. Jefferson gets the ball over and over and over again, and that starts to set them up to complete a few passes downfield. And then Connor Blunt breaks off a 13-yard run, and and you're in a situation you know where um, where there's just obviously holes in in Arizona State's defense, but it is a little bit weird to be up 17 to nothing and then watch a team just come in and pound the rock. I mean, do you psychologically like is do you get into a place saying like, oh, we're up three scores, they're not going to run the ball, but but you know from film there probably are, but still somewhere in your head does that does it throw you off a little bit? What is going on here where where Oregon State's able to move the ball being down that much? It's it, crazy. just by running it, it up the middle. It's crazy. It's almost disrespectful because like if you think about it, uh, had ASU not scored that uh, touchdown to end the second quarter, um, they would have gone into halftime only winning only leading seventeen to twenty four. Um, that Oregon State was that confident that being down 17 to nothing, they could still just hand the ball off and get themselves back in the game. It's it's, it's mind boggling. It's crazy. It's it's not normal. And and they also mentioned that they feel like the flea flicker took some air out of Arizona State's tires. Isaiah Hodgins caught a 44 yard pass like after ripping its hamstring. It looked like right. Uh, I mean, what a catch! Right. Yeah. No, it was um, amazing. So Isaiah Hodgins comes down with a 44-yard reception. It's the first play of over 40 yards ASU's given up all year. And then, you know, people are saying, like, maybe that's when the dam broke. But I felt like it was before. Like, they weren't hammering away before that. I felt like that pass that, you know, a flea flicker is going to work sometimes, especially if you're on target. You know, um, something that's really, really disturbing to me is that statistically this game, I think, was a lot closer than, than the score would indicate. The score indicates that it's a blowout. But statistically, Jefferson kind of matches Eno Benjamin with the um, 254 versus 314 yards. Obviously, 314 is more. Um, but after that, Rodgers has 30 yards on the ground to Floyd's 19. Um, and that that's the backup. And then as far as passing, Blunt throws 145 in a touch and Manny throws 162, three touchdowns, but, I mean. And they really did hit their average. They throw the ball about 22 to 23 times a game, regardless of the situation. The run-to-pass ratio is almost always 2 to 1 with Oregon State. And they got a former quarterback as that you know they got a former Oregon State quarterback as their head coach, but obviously he knows what their what, what their strengths are going to be this year. Um, I just, I you know, you, you get into the third quarter and – and Oregon State's still moving the ball, but they kind of stopped doing damage. They quit scoring. Yeah. And ASU kept finding a way to get Eno Benjamin uh, yards. 
Um, and then toward the end of the game, you see, you know, first of all, I want to get into the to the spark. I almost called it the Wildcat. Holy oh, hell. Oh, wow. I want to get into the Sparky formation because Hode Rubino said something to me when they did that that I, I found interesting and I wanted to get your take on. He's like, why did they break that out? Why not save it for for Colorado on Nikhil's uh, Sparky formation? Right, right, right. Touchdown. Why not save it for Colorado? Or is it an advantage, Hode also said this, is it an advantage that you give them one more thing to try to prepare for? You know, I don't. I don't know if there's like a. Uh, I don't know if there's like a written or unwritten rule about like saving plays and not opening up the playbook and stuff. Because you're saying you felt like this game was even a little bit close. Like they needed that touchdown. Yeah, they they probably they probably needed that needed to use that play then because like this game was like statistically a little bit closer than uh, the score indicates. So I mean, you know, they probably needed a few tricks here and there. They probably needed to run it run a few things to to throw Oregon State off and I mean sure I guess uh, I guess now Colorado knows that that could happen but you know what like it if it's not like this team has never ran that formation before that's true they they definitely have run out of the sparky we, formation they've we done ran it, with it a Eno. lot they, last year yes they've done it with Eno they've done it with Nikhil I do want to ask you about the fourth and one if you've already broke out the Sparky formation, why not go back to it in a situation where Oregon State had kind of started to load the box? They had eight guys down in there, and they try to run it with with Manny Wilkins. It doesn't work out. They give the ball back. That was probably the one time, if you were an Arizona State fan, that you were worried. There was other things to be worried about in this game, but that you might be worried that Oregon State would come back is when ASU got stopped on that fourth down. Do you think that ASU should have brought back the Sparky formation for a play like that. Um, yeah, probably because you know what if you've already if you've already shown it, why not just go back to it? You don't have to keep doing it, but I mean, if you're gonna go back to it for a second, third time, just to gain a crucial first down, why not? Um, you know, it, it, sa- it saves your quarterback who technically shouldn't be, you know, embracing the idea of taking punishment. Um, yeah, I, I probably would have broke it back out. Let Nikhil get one more carry. You know, Nikhil's six four and like two forty, so like, you know, he can handle it. He had a he had a twenty one yard reception, or it was like 27, 21 or twenty seven yard reception today, where he went from one side of the field to the other. <laughs> he ran like sixty yards to get twenty seven. Yeah, right. And it kind of reminded me a little bit of last week's punt return. And I didn't get a chance to talk to you too much. I I, I shared some frustrations because I thought they probably paid a little bit too much respect to a, de- to a defensive backfield at Washington that I have a lot of respect for. I know you have a lot of respect for, and we know Byron Murphy really well, uh, you know, but I felt like they they went in, there's respectful and they're scared. I and, think they were scared. Yeah, and it, it, it seemed like it because you if you give Nikhil an opportunity like you just did on the sideline against Oregon State where he gets a little bit of space, look what he can do with that little bit of space. Yeah. Um, and you saw what he could do on that punt return as well. And so I, I just wanted to make sure that I felt like you and I are of sound mind on the fact that you use your biggest weapon. That, that That's what you have to and, – and maybe this is the one thing that I wonder if Herm Edwards understands at the collegiate level that – if you have a trump card, you try and use it because it felt very much like an NFL game plan last week. This week, kind of too, but instead of instead of going in with the trump card, they find out what works and they just 
hit that again and again and again and again. It's almost like they're trying to figure out in in the game what the thing is that they're that, that that's going to work and keep going back to it, instead of realizing that like there was a period of time before Herm Edwards, in which. Nikhil Harry was borderline unstoppable. And then there was a period of time before that when ASU spent all their time forcing the ball to Jalen Strong and got wins out of it. Jalen yeah. Strong was rarely Jail open. Don't forget, yeah. Jalen Mary. But Jalen Strong was rarely open. And, and, and you, you look at games today all across the college football landscape where some of the best playmakers don't have a lot of space. Their quarterbacks trust them, and they let the ball go. I mean, you saw that guy for uh, for um, Penn State that came down with the one-hander against Ohio State. That's not a throw that ASU would even dream of making against Washington. But they got to th- try. And, and I see, I think that we're in the same place on that, but obviously they're the ones getting paid. Uh, they're the ones getting paid to do this. The other thing I wanted to bring you have, up with you, you, you. Have, you have this really, really nice sports car. What benefit is it? To leave it in the garage, you gotta you gotta step on that gas pedal a little. Hey, Nikhil is six four and can jump out of the gym. Sometimes you just gotta test it and throw it up and let him go up with the Byron Murphys well, and whoever else is out there. Maybe Herm Edwards is like Jay Leno, only one car out of the garage at a time. Hey, but this is but in the Nikhil Harry era, you gotta ride that car as often as possible. I don't I don't disagree. Step on that gas pedal. Here's my other question because there were some people frustrated with your boy Chase Lucas last week. With good reason. Uh, Hold he, on. Nobody was frustrated when he got that early interception nobody because, was frustrated. because he was focused and doing one of the right the best play. One of the best plays I've seen an Arizona State defensive back make in a while, the way he broke back on that ball. You're right, but in crunch time, they blame – I think he got blamed a little bit for that catch on the sideline, which seemed to me like a just a perfect throw, it was perfect a toe catch. tap. And a, and a guy that you hadn't heard his name much this year in Chase Lucas because he's been shutting down half the field, uh, which is a surprise. I didn't. I expected him to make plays on the ball. I didn't expect him to stop the quarterback from even wanting to throw the ball his way. And that's what we've seen from Chase Lucas. But a little bit of a lack of, of, lack of discipline at the end of the game when he hit the kid on the sideline. What, what, what's your take on that? Because that definitely drew some frustration from the fans. Um, I think Chase is a still figure. I, I think Chase is still trying to figure out the position. Um, there's a lot of psych, there's a lot of psychology that goes into playing defensive back. Um, first off is when teams start to respect you and they start to cut the field in half and give it to you, you're gonna get very very bored out there. And he just wants some action. So you know he wants some contact. He want he wants to you know give some guys a little bit of shoulder and you know he wants to make some hits and. You know, he, you know, I'm not mad at him. He, inopportune in terms of using his aggression, but, you know, he, he's hungry. He's hungry. So I want to get to a couple of the questions that we got on Twitter and on devilsdigest.com. Um, I, I found, I found a couple of them interesting. I, this doesn't feel like, even though Arizona State went up and put 50 up on the board, even though they covered the spread, even though they shattered a record that had stood for 45 years, there's still a little bit of frustration. And so I'm going to run you through a couple of the questions. Um, Jedi ASU. Oh, our guy. I like him. Absolutely. Robbie's awesome. Uh, Why was ASU able to gash the Arizona State D? I think we we touched on 
on, I think, I said it was, that th- this is what the scheme allows for. If you run the ball up the middle and you do it effectively, you're going to you're gonna exploit the 3-3-5. You, you put it a little bit on youth, and um, I think we touched on that a little bit. Uh, and he said, is that a bad omen for next week? I think it's a bad omen for every week. Oregon State burns you for 250. That means that, like, anybody's going to be able to burn you for 250. So he, so what he went on to ask was, what needs to change? And my thought is maybe some of the older guys need to be out there a little bit more uh, in Kalen Thomas and Malik Lawal, but then you lose the production that you're getting from Merlin Robertson and Darian Butler, so that can't be it. Uh, if you put in a heavier front, you eliminate the defense that you installed. Um, I haven't seen a lot of Karan Crump, but he's not fantastic against the run. Haven't seen a lot of Darius Slade. Don't know what's going on there. This so is I the, don't know what you do. Th- this is that quote-unquote NFL approach that you kind of touched on earlier, where you play your personnel based on like what their strengths are. If their strength, if if their strength isn't, um, you know, um, stopping the run, you're not going to play them versus Oregon State because that's what they do heavy. Um, it, it doesn't make sense, and I kind of get that. But I just don't know if this quote-unquote NFL model works at the college level. We're still trying to figure that out. Another question from Jedi. He just hit us with a bunch of questions, and that's that's fine. It's fine. We'll take them. I'm cool. I'm cool with it. Uh, love that Nikhil got to create on the field. Can he do that against Colorado? Before we answer this, I want to bring up the fact that every single thing that we say about how we want to see Nikhil Harry used is something that Colorado does with LaVisca Chenault, who is probably the second-best receiver in the Pac-12. I think it's toss-up between him and J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. If Colorado can get LaVisca Chenault to touch the ball 15 to 20 times a game, they will. I'm pretty sure they did it on Friday. I think I don't see Arizona State ever doing that. But can he? Of course. Of course he can. I mean, can. can he touch the ball 15 to 20 times? I mean, I guess sure cuz you figure maybe he could touch uh but it's not three up or to four, him. three or four punt returns. Right. Maybe you could get targeted seven times, eight times, let's say eight. That would be 12 you run him out of that uh, sparky formation two times. That would be 14. I mean, so, yeah, sure, 15, yeah. 20 times. You could, it, you could make it work. Yeah. Can you he 1,000 1, times out of 1,000? Yeah. Of course he can. Would that be the smart thing to do? Probably. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. I mean, if the rhythm of the offense, if they go out and do – if they go out they and go get 300 yards rushing from Eno Benjamin every week, then I don't think you worry about it. But you're not going to be able to do that every week. What's going to be interesting next week, since we brought up LaVisca Chenault, is this is going to be a time where they test Chase no matter what. They're going to test. They're going to go to him no matter what Arizona State shows on defense. They're going to put him in a position to make plays. This is going to be the first big test for Kobe Williams and Chase Lucas uh, as far as covering a number one receiver because they don't care who's on him. They're putting it on him to go out and make a play. Who was... The kid from Cal last year. Was it last year? That who was the kid from Cal? That was really good. I can't remember it though. Oh, the Forks Down guy? I think that might have been a couple years ago. No. Because it was against Chase. Was it Cal or was it Stanford? It was JJ Arcega Whiteside. He dominated for a half and then he got hurt right before halftime. Didn't come out for the second half. I thought it was Cal. 
okay I, you know I, I feel like Chase I feel like you know last year Chase saw um, a receiver or two that were solid um, yeah the the kid from Colorado's the kid from Colorado's really good um, and we'll see I mean I feel like Chase is going to rise to the challenge I want to chase him around the field so you know I think that'll be exciting um, that'll be exciting for us Sun Devil fans that'll be exciting you know it might be like uh, a hair pulling experience for, for us Sun Devil fans um, but you know we want to see we want to see Chase be great we want to see Kobe get an opportunity to be great also um, well they're going to get an opportunity next week because I mean, for sure. Yeah, because he, he's a beast, and some of these guys, that they go to him no matter what, like Jaleel Wadud last or not Jaleel Wadud, uh, Jaleel Scott uh, last year, New Mexico State guy that they went at uh, repeatedly, um, even though Kobe Williams returned an interception for a touchdown in that game, they exploited Kobe with a six foot five wide receiver. So it can happen. Ne- next week's going to be interesting for sure, so we'll get into a little bit more of that later. Um, uh, we got a question here on Twitter. What the hell is this team's identity? Are we a great defensive team or a bad one? Are we great at running the ball or throwing? I'm so befuddled by this team. Um, our strength on defense, I think, is um, playing the pass. I don't think it's stopping the run, obviously. Right. Um, like I said, I feel like, like I said earlier, I think we were tricked into um, a comfort zone of being able to stop the run with the first two games. Uh, but let's face it, UTSA was never going to compete with ASU, and Michigan State doesn't have a dominant running back for a Big Ten team. And San Diego State was playing a guy that had never started a game in college. But he was clearly a good running back. Right, yeah. He could, he could run I mean, with the ball in his hands, but he you, would. You, right. know, you know who's special when, like, whatever. Yeah. Uh, as far as the team's identity, um, I think it's taking shape. I think they're they're – they want to win at the line of scrimmage, right? They're making those adjustments, and I think that's going to be something that they go out and try to focus on every single week. The identity is a team that's going to try to beat you in the trenches, and if they can't do that, there's going to be problems. Um, uh, Best game from Zach Robertson and Steve Miller. Cole Cabral was sensational. What does this mean for Tucker next week? First of all, Casey Tucker, if he's healthy, is going to play. Yeah, no, absolutely. He's he's not getting Wally pipped here. Casey Tucker was the best run-blocking player on the field against Washington. He just got dinged up. If he's healthy, he's going to go. It, it just helps because before that they were rotating linemen. Even if everybody's playing perfect, they're still going to find a way to get Casey Tucker in there. Uh, but, yeah, I think this was Zach Robertson's best game, 100%. Steven Miller's been handling business. Cole Cabral's been handling business. This was big for Zach Robertson, and this is something that they'll remember forever because they, they shattered the record together. Um, Lobo Jangles on Twitter, Brock Hewer remarked on Radio Friday that Danny Gonzalez is a great defensive coordinator and be a head coach soon. Up until tonight, I would have maybe bought that. Not anymore. That was a disgrace. I mean, you know. It's one game. It, it is one game, but I don't think any of us were really saying that. Um I don't know. I don't know who's saying that Danny Gonzalez is going to be a head coach one day, based on uh, what we've seen from ASU so far this season. Um, if you're talking about based on San Diego State last year um, and the things that they accomplished, uh, yeah, maybe. Um, you, you know, Danny, and a lot of guys don't get head coaching jobs based on accomplishment. They get them based on 
uh, ambition, connections, um, uh, like being able to put a plan together. If, if you can head up an entire department, sometimes it's political. So I, I wouldn't just say like performing well means you'll be a head, you'll, you'll be a head coach, right? Because, um, you know, Wade, Wade Phillips, year in, year out, one of the best defensive coordinators, every time he's had a head coaching gig, it hasn't really worked out. So, um, Let's see what we got on the Devil's Digest. Uh, yeah, here we go. We've got a couple of things on uh, on devilsdigest.com. Uh, any recruit visit tidbits? We did run into Ricky Pearsall. And Connor uh, Soley. I talked to Connor Soley for about 15 minutes. A couple Man. of uh, very, very good commits to Arizona State playmakers. Um, I, I think Pearsall is somebody who's going to – ASU fans might come to remember. I don't know if he'll play early. But you were talking about the fact that you think Connor Soley could get on the field immediately. For Connor Soley is in a fight for minutes at that uh, Tillman position, day one. He's going to come in and fight for minutes, day one. Um, he that position was almost made tailor made for him. Uh, if he, if he doesn't grow like another two inches or three inches to you know, put himself in a position to be a linebacker and put on the necessary weight. Um, he's gonna be a, he's gonna be a Tillman guy for four years. He's he, not gonna redshirt. For what, if Arizona State fans don't necessarily understand or haven't seen much from him, he's got Jordan Simone's athleticism. Uh, maybe a little faster. Maybe a lot faster. Straightaway speed for sure. Simone's football speed uh, at, at the collegiate level is proven. Um, but, but, but Connor's con- closing speed yes. when he locates where that ball is, whether it's a running back carrying it or a quarterback dropping back or whatever is as far as the high school level is concerned, he's on par with any great talent at all. And where I think he's tailor made for Arizona state's defense is Antonio Pierce likes to talk about making business decisions giving you the freedom to say, all right, I'm going to step in and try to make a play in this circumstance. And it, those are the money posi- – those are the ones that you get, that get you paid. He is the king at the high school level of business decisions. And so, um, yeah, he, he that, that could be interesting. There were a couple of very important defensive line recruits uh, that were here, Stephon Wright, Drake Jackson, um, guys that had, I thought, shut their recruitment kind of down um so maybe they might actually also maybe be in a position where they're not being as recruited as it would seem from the outside kind of like a merlin robertson type situation but arizona state finding a way to get them out here and get them on officials is a really big deal and so you know they were out here ty robinson from higley um you know i don't know how much of a shot that arizona state has with a guy like ty robinson who nebraska's all over who usc's all over uh but he would i mean he could make an impact right away as well so he could probably start as Ooh, he got that. He, I mean, I hate it, but he passes the eyeball test with flying colors. And now that Higley primarily has him as a defensive tackle, you're starting to see him embrace that position, the aggression of it, uh, the excitement of it. You know, I'm not saying he's going to come in and be Rennell Wren right away, but he has some serious NFL potential as a defensive and, tackle. And you know what's crazy is, uh, and you kind of talk about this a little bit um, all the time on the side. I don't know if you talk about it like in podcasts and stuff. Um, the athleticism of these kids. Um, I know that there are whispers amongst the ASU coaches that know that Connor's committed that maybe he can carry the ball a little bit. So a kid that's going to 
possibly be the starter at the tilling position is capable of playing offense. Um, or maybe they want him to strictly play offense. We're going to see some Adoree stuff, some Adoree um, Jackson stuff, who is knows? that what you're saying? But Ty Robinson is a kid that you know as a they recruiting were, analyst. ASU was recruiting him as a as tight end. tight end. So, I mean, you know, the athleticism of these kids that, like, ASU is even looking at is, yeah. like, crazy. And Ricky Pearsall, the wide receiver, the 6'2", 6'3", wide receiver, he could play safety. He looks like he's got a safety body, too. Not that, you know, he would replace uh, the idea of Connor Soley out there, but, you know, he, you know, these kids can play both ways. And I know there's a whisper of Weapon X Hendricks Johnson from Boulder Creek who's doing amazing things. So, I mean, man, these kids from Arizona that Arizona State's recruiting, like, they are not just recruiting the best football players. They are recruiting the best athletes. Uh, here's an interesting one on – on uh, the Devil's Digest message board. Uh, feel like ASU should have taken some defensive timeouts to regroup, break Oregon State's momentum at times. What could have helped ASU on defense tonight? I personally look at that and I say, like, when, when Herm Edwards says this defense has to grow up, sometimes you got to grow up without help, right? Like, sometimes it, you you got to be out there and figure it out on your own. Could the timeouts have helped? Uh, maybe, but... But helped uh, when? You helped... You, you you help them now in a situation where the game's not on the line and it stunts you later on when the game is on the line. Um, the greatest coaches out there won't call the timeout and they'll let you figure out your way through it. The Steve Kerrs, the Phil Jacksons, um, the Joe Torres. Joe Torrey used to not go to the mound to go save his pitcher. He used to let him try to figure it out. Let him and the catcher try to figure it out. You know, sometimes, you know, um, you, you know like you said, you just got to let them figure it out on the field because they are so young. So I, I'm going to just defer to you on that because, I, 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 I mean, I guess they could have, but ultimately yeah, they, they won by they almost won by 30. They could have, but you would have saved them in a game that was, like, already decided. Let them figure it out for themselves. If they give up the touchdown, they give up the touchdown. We're already up by 30. What, are we going to just be up by 23 now? Like, yeah. Um. This one's from Ryan Johnson 2 on the DevilsDigest.com message board. Um, where in the world is Darius Slade? Man, I that's a great uh, question. Watched him on the bench, saw him after the game. Um, I don't know because when he has been in, he's gone in and done some damage. So uh, I'm. I, it, it seems like Herm Edwards. A lot of why people play and why they don't play is trust. And so maybe if you if he catches you on film not doing the right thing or not in practice not doing the right thing. You know, but yeah, Darius Slade is somebody who could definitely help this, definitely help this team, and 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 has not been getting reps. And and this is part of, um, I don't want to say the problem with Herm, but the the long NFL experience where you you're gonna have a guy for maybe like eight years or whatever, and you can build this like great relationship because you guys are married. Well, and he's you're getting dating. a paycheck every week. Yeah. You're, you're you're dating. He's in got college. a reason to stay around because he got to cash a check. Right. You're, date, you're dating in college. You're not. You're not. Um, you're not. Um, you know, married to this guy for uh, the next like eight years of his career. Um, these kids aren't getting like the paychecks. They're. I mean, they're getting some free food at training table and stuff like that. But um, other than that, like, you know, these kids like if you put them in the doghouse for too long, like, not only did you just uh, lose this kid potentially for yourself and your program. Um, you would have just cost this kid a future. Yeah. And I think he needs to figure this doghouse thing out rather quickly 
so that he can get kids out of it a little bit faster. It definitely break because that's the one thing that he hasn't really had to face yet. He cut kids, right? He cut yeah. some kids off the team, but he hasn't had to face kids walking away. And they will at this level if they feel like they have chances somewhere else. Darius Slate already did it. He transferred from Ohio State. So well, it'll be interesting to see how that develops. How do you see our defense? Here's another question. How do you see our defense matching up with Colorado next week? Uh, a, I don't. Because the only way to beat Colorado is to put Steven Montez on his ass. And Steven Montez is Ben Roethlisberger's size. So put, th- that is the only option. You either put Steven Montez on his ass, or they are going to get yards and score points. Herm Edwards always said, you know, you're going to get yards. You're going to get yards in college. It's whether or not you score points. Um, they have to hit Steven Montez all game long, all game long. But then again, if Steven Montez is the type of guy who will wait till the last second, throw the ball up, and Lavisca Chenault will come down with it. So pick your poison. Um, but I don't see Arizona State's the I, I see if they win, it's either going to be because they hit him over and over and over again or they won the shootout. I think it's going to be win the shootout. I think it, based on what I saw today, I think it's going to be win the shootout. Um, you know, I, I, I really hope they can get to Montez, but I, I just don't know that it's going to happen. I just don't know that it's going to happen. And when they do... Like you said, like the boy's big. What's going to happen when they do see him? Our last question, because I feel like we've answered some of these other ones. Should Herm be giving reps to the backup quarterback in blowout games? Um, As an NFL guy, do you think... that? Because that's not too common in the NFL... I mean, he didn't have a chance but to play his backup quarterbacks because they all got injured his last few years when he was when he was in the NFL. Maybe he's just happy to see the same quarterback go out for five games in a row without yeah. getting hurt. But um, I, I don't feel like this at any point was a blowout until late in the fourth. I mean, the game the game was kind of our like this was a gripe with Todd Graham. I think this is why this gets brought up. This is a huge gripe with Todd Graham that the backups didn't get reps. Yeah, but what reps were were they gonna? Get at the point where it became a blowout. Like I don't just know, Manny went ball. deep to Nikhil at the end. One third of Manny's right. yards came at the end of the game. Yeah, I mean, would, would a backup have thrown that pass? I don't know. Would I a backup have completed that pass? I have. Would no. Dylan Sterling Cole have completed that pass? I don't know. Maybe get Grayson Barry some snaps. <laughs> I don't know. I I. Dang, that's a good question. Your backup can get reps in practice. I mean, you your starter is he, he's a fifth year senior. You you want him to get out there. Manny Wilkins needed that, by the way. He needed that throw to Nikhil, which again, Nikhil was not open. That was a not a good throw. He, he needed that throw in terms of the like like keeping the relationship with Nikhil yeah. okay. Yeah. But again, Nikhil was A, not open. B, that was not a good throw. But and, you're talking about taking chances. And look what happened. Look what happened. Talking uh, about taking chances. Right. And if if Manny Wilkins has done one thing, at least in practice quite a bit, is make throws on the sideline. I don't see why they couldn't have done that against Washington last week. But here we are talking about Washington. How about we just bring this to a close? Arizona <laughs> State beats Oregon State. They move to 3-2, and 1-1 one and one in the Pac-12, 52-24. to 24. 
and we are on to Boulder next week. I will be out there with Jordan K, uh, and uh, and I'll, so I'll be flying uh, flying solo uh, for the podcast next week. Um, but uh, Chili, where are you going to be watching the game from? Um, I'll probably head to one of these bars. Maybe I'll hit Zips on Mill or something. Or maybe I'll go to College Bar, uh, show Joe Healy some love and stuff like that, grab some of the amazing wings that are over there because I heard Ant Bites was out there from the Pac-12 Network. Uh, maybe take the vlog out there. But I'm not sure because I usually don't vlog unless I go to the games. All right. Well, I am Ralph Amesden. Uh, and for Chili, DevilsDigest.com. Make sure you subscribe. This has been another episode of the Devil's Junkie Podcast. I was living in a devil town. Didn't know it was a devil town Oh Lord, it really brings me down About the devil town All my friends were vampires Didn't know they were vampires Turns out I was a vampire myself in the devil town